Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Chit Heads. My guest today is Matthew Thomas Lombardo. Matt Lombardo is a popular yoga teacher and teacher of teachers in New York City and Brooklyn. Besides his well-attended public classes, he has a wide range of experience teaching asana and meditation to celebrities, senior citizens, kids, and is trained to teach yoga in prison. He has also worked with reinvigorating men who are returning to the workplace at Career Gear. He has been interviewed by the New York Times and Haute Living, and in the spring of 2016, he will be on a teaching tour through Prague, Bratislava, Munich, and other European cities. We sat down to have a candid conversation in my Harlem apartment to discuss his teaching style, his thoughts on what constitutes a cult, and his own take on the recent Jiva Mukti Yoga School scandals. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Matt Lombardo. Matt Lombardo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jacob. So it's really nice to sit down with you. Finally, we've been trying to do this interview for quite a while uh, because you are a friend of mine. We've collaborated collaborated on some projects together, which we might talk about a little bit later. But um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I wanted to ask first, you know, um, just to get us started, maybe a little bit about yourself, if you want to tell the story of your practice, how you came to yoga, how you came to teach, and anything else you want to share on that from that uh perspective? Yeah, yeah, sure. I started, I guess I discovered yoga just out of college. I was kind of a gym rat Mm -hmm. and was always interested in like other stuff though, like philosophy and meditation, although it was foreign. Like I I grew up in the suburbs and I, I, I could see that there were suburbs of New York, the suburbs of Long Island. Yeah. New York. So of Long Island. (laughs) And you know, like I was a seeker. I was -hmm. looking for more. I was definitely not happy growing up in the suburbs. I mean, like, you know, as many, many people do. Um, And yoga was, was interesting. I liked the idea of the the physical postures and, and, you know, meditation. And of course, like the, the possibility of, you know, you could really focus your mind, you know, there's this stuff, enlightenment. And Mm -hmm. so I guess through a period of like, well, the, the, and it is really, this is a true story. I, I always say that Ricky Martin and People Magazine <laughs> was my, was two big influences. The first was an article with him talking about a friend of his who took him to Tibet. He was depressed. Oh. He Ricky Martin Ricky went to Martin, Tibet. Ricky Martin, yeah. Like he like was doing a soap opera or something. It was over and he didn't know what he was doing. And he talked about somebody taking him to Tibet learning yoga, him doing it, and it changing his, his life. And I was like, all right, wow, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. The other was I was doing an acting class, and there was um, a supermodel who was in my class, and she was like, I just came back from this retreat on this mountain in California, and I thought, that sounds great, <laughs> and I'd love to have that in common to talk to her, so... I'm going to check out this yoga studio in my the place, the apartment I'd been living at the time. I think I was like 19, 20, and it was fucking hard, man. Mm-hmm. The class was a Bikram class. Oh, I, gosh. I took Bikram, and I left the room, and then I stayed there, and I, I really loved the heat and the sweat. It gave me a challenge that lifting weights didn't, uh, and I could see what how hard the mind work was. Mm-hmm. So that was like the beginning of all of this mm-hmm. and um 
and it's it's kind of crazy. And then I guess started teaching because I was just doing it. It was my thing. Like I was working, and I was you know like what were you working? I was doing waiting tables and uh-huh. bartending and kind of figuring out what I really wanted to f- put my passions into and going in and out of school. And it wasn't, you know, I knew I didn't want to be in school forever. I knew there was something about being in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess uh, people had said like, Hey, why don't you, you could teach yoga, you know, you do so much of it. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I want to just maybe keep it my own. But then I thought like, I don't want to wait tables forever. Yeah. <laughs> so did I. let's do this. And that turned into, you know, at this point, like 11 years of teaching, um, full time, mm. you know, I know a lot of yoga teachers don't get to do that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful, but it's been a hustle, you know, mm. it's been, and the 11 years were at Jiva Mukti. Well, I've, I've taught 11 years at Jiva Mukti. Mm. Yeah, no, it's been, Did you do the training at Jiva Mukti? Well, actually, no, since 2003. So I've yeah. been teaching since 2003. I've taught at Jiva Mukti yoga since 2005, which is when I did the training. And, um, you've been teaching since 2003. I've been teaching. So you did a, fr- did you do a, a previous training? I did. I studied at, uh, with Jennifer Brilliant and Dana Strong at Om Yoga, okay, Cindy yeah. Lee's Om Yoga yeah, yeah, back yeah. when it was, uh, first was at 14th street and like sixth Avenue. And then mm-hmm. it moved to over the strand and then that closed. And I taught there for a year or so. Um, and then went and taught at Chief Mukti, but I've always taught at like four places, three, four places with privates too, because mm-hmm. you know, you have to, you have to make that money. You got to, <laughs> the Bob don't pay the rent. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, one thing I wanted to ask about in your teaching style, you have a very unique teaching style and it really draws people to you. It, you, in, it, you invoke a lot of humor in your classes and some of it is very, is like lowbrow humor, but you're always, you know, it's like you use the lowbrow humor to, to, to like, take us to the highbrow, like fart and dick jokes. You mean? <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't. No, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not so much thinking that lowbrow. I'm thinking frat more humor. Frat I'm, boys. I'm, I'm thinking. What was it? Sixteen. Sixteen handles. Sixteen, 16 handles. You mentioned that in a class. Yeah. Your, your whole theme throughout the class was was yogurt. Uh, was, <laughs> was, it was getting yogurt. your own yogurt, maybe. Yeah. Making and, them. Yeah. And finding a way to 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 integrate or to to talk about the dharma from the place of yogurt. So, yeah. <laughs> And then you pay. You tip them. There's a tip on the... Yes. The same thing happens at Blossom. You tip them after you... You, you look on the receipt yourself. and it says, like, tip. Like, I've just done all the work and I'm going to tip you. <laughs> well, that's because, like... All right. So I've been fascinated by, you know, knowledge and philosophy and, and certainly yoga philosophy and using metaphors mm-hmm. to connect with people and using what I can talk... Knowing what... You got to write or, you know, teach what you know... Yeah, there's room for talking about Bhagavad Gita, Yoga Sutras, classic stuff. I'm all for that. I love that. But I realized that, like, if I want to connect with people, I have to talk about things that we really can relate to and know. Yeah. And that's, like, yogurt places and pop-up nail places mm-hmm. and 99-cent pizza stores mm-hmm. and <laughs> movies and television, which on the surface can seem, well, that's trivial. and it's, But actually, I think it's, like, for me, it's as skillful means as I can... Yeah, I think with. I think it's you're a master at it. Do you do, are they things that you think about and then you take into your class, or do they generally come spontaneously to you when you're teaching? I um, I have a a, a pouch of bones pouch that I keep bones. in in my bedroom, and I turn the lights off, <laughs> and then what I do is I I roll them, and then I read them, and then I write the notes in a book, and then I use those notes to teach. No, it's a combination <laughs> of 
of stuff that I come up with. I'm like trying to think if this is if this is another metaphor. Of I have I have bones. Um, I go into a trance state, <laughs> and I I ask. I do what a psychomantium is. I have a psychomantium in my bedroom. No, I I'm influenced by culture. Uh-huh. I'm a I like observing and watching the circus, and sometimes I participate in it. But sometimes it's spontaneous, and sometimes it's you know it's like what's the best way to talk about complex subjects Mm -hmm. and and the people that i've been most influenced by have been able to take complex subjects or or difficult ones or they're skillful like the trojan horse you know let's wrap something that's um complicated or or a strong what how do i want to say it's like in humor like john stewart for example or someone who was able to you know yeah we're going to talk about the need for change and a structure and we're going to do it in a way where we don't shut down people's listening. Mm-hmm. And with yoga being that there's like, you know, the, the, the religious part of it, there's the kind of secularist, there's the um, exercise group. Like what's a way where I don't have to talk, I don't limit myself mm-hmm. by talking to one, using one kind of filter. Yeah. So I'm willing to go and use whatever it takes to get, you know, what I see is important across, mm-hmm. which in this case is just like, um, you know, trying to get people these blocks. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that the, I think that the that skill that you have of of kind of making the uh, some of the ethereal topics very relevant through this kind of way of of bringing in like cultural references is something that I mean, I I don't have that skill, and like it's definitely something I aspire to because I think that. You know, a lot of times these subjects, because they can feel so transcendent to people, is that there's this weird thing that happens where people isolate the spiritual as this kind of thing above from their everyday. So teaching, like, in this way that you do, I think is really helpful in kind of bringing that down a bit so people don't think that, like, spiritual life is something that is kind of above the world in some sense. I'm also an an ex-Catholic schoolboy with an axe to grind. Oh, I see. (laughs) Ex-altar boy, ex-Boy Scout. Oh Ex- God! I was—I never got to do Boy Scouts, so I was always kind of it, miffed. It was—it was—it was, it was kind of fun up to a point. Yeah, it was fun. Like the camping was fun. The like you know building things and stuff burning going it. On? I guess I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I'm thing? sure there was. You know. Yeah. Let's. Um, but you know, like anti-authoritarianism mm-hmm. and certainly religious authoritarianism is is a. You know, I've seen so much of it, and I've been around that, and. Yeah. and earlier in life and even now you know there's a lot of ways that people use yoga that feed that old stuff and there are there's a need to talk about that and clear the air um i'm just always fascinated where people you know it's like oh you're you're funny you're doing this it's light like wait a minute i thought the results of your yoga practice like mine is was lightness Mm -hmm. and reality and connection and, and seeing commonality so People make it very heavy. People make it heavy, and I get it. I mean, I've certainly been heavy in classes, and and, um, I just don't – I think there needs to be, like, uh, humility and reality and, Mm -hmm. you know, connecting to people, which is ultimately what we as teachers do. And when I show up to a class to practice myself, what I'm looking for, you know, Mm -hmm. connect to myself, my practice, but share and be in community with real people who are doing – real work, you know, in their lives and aren't looking to ascend to Oz, mm-hmm. you know, or, or hope that someone else intercedes and saves their life 
You know, it's like, no, it's about you doing the work and yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> We've got some distractions. <laughs> we might we might have to move to the other room. <laughs> um, so, so okay, so you mentioning um authoritarian like religious regimes if I can tell. Yes. Um you know, you and I were both, I mean, you were more um, uh, involved. I mean, I feel like I was tangentially involved in this community uh, around Geshe Michael Roach. And, um, and, and as we know, there was, you know, some scandals that took place a, a number of years ago now. I guess it's how many years? Five? Uh, three, three, four, five, three maybe, years. yeah. Um, and almost immediately following the, the, the crises or, or whatever we want to call them, scandals, they, the word cult was thrown around quite a lot. And it seems yeah. like whenever something like this happens in a, in a spiritual community, um, that's sort of immediately where the, the rhetoric goes. So kinda, yeah. I kind of want to talk to you about this because I think I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on like what makes a spiritual community a cult. Like when does it kind of cross that? You know, when does it cross over into culthood? It's a good question, and there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of ways to answer that. Um, you know, there's the old baggage too of the. I mean, like if you think yoga and, and spiritual practice, in a way, came out of the counterculture, and the word cult in culture is definitely you know interesting. You can't have cult without culture. Um, you know, the like the Charles Manson stuff, where people like terrible, horrible things happening in the name of, you know, uh, inclusive cults and people creating, doing crimes and, and ruining lives and families. I get that. Um, and then though, it's become more of like a, a broad pejorative yeah. in the way that like hipster or conspiracy, or yeah. it's like, it's this broad term. It's like, but what do you mean specifically? Yeah. So, you know, devout, well, we'll go through that. Like there's, there are different, um, what are the different, uh, definitions of cult, how is it used? And in the cases that where people were talking about like Diamond Mountain stuff or... Um, and what was Diamond Mountain, just for the listeners who don't know? Diamond Mountain was... Uh, there was a, a retreat that happened a few years ago, a few years, a three-year retreat, and one of the retreatants died. Mm-hmm. One of the... He was married to someone who was officiating the retreat, essentially, and they, they were kicked out of their retreat, and went to a cave, essentially, and this guy died. Uh, Ian Thorson died of uh, dehydration. Dehydration, yeah. And you know the, the fallout of that has been, and this is another interest of mine, is the the spiritual bypassing that goes on within all sorts of spiritual communities. Yeah, Buddhists, Christians, um, yoga. You know, what is spiritual bypassing, and how does that? how does that lead to somebody to maybe uh, give away their own mental sovereignty? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you prevent being, um, you know, it's not like you're trapped. It's a mutual thing. Mm -hmm. It's a mutual decision. Like there's, there's a reason why you're attracted to certain uh, teachers and teachings, but is it possible that, you know, there are red flags that you don't want to see because the, the gold is like too shiny. Mm-hmm. But in reality, like any relationship, you can overlook red flags um, in in the you know in the search for just being thrilled that you've found meaning, which is what happens in in spiritual communities. Like you get some meaning for the first time, yeah. perhaps. Do you think maybe um, 
you mentioning this, the spiritual bypassing, which maybe we'll um, define in a second, but do you think that when, uh, when a community is referred to as a cult, generally it's because the spiritual bypassers have kind of taken center stage. So what you're seeing as that community is the spiritual bypassers who generally display cult-like behavior. Do you think that does that make sense? Well, it, a- it could be, but it's also as who's labeling the person or group yeah. as cult. Like, yeah. are we talking? Well, that's always seemed. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, that, no, that's please. always what seemed problematic about it is that it seems like when you when you refer to something as a cult, you close down conversation. It is because you've already legitimized. It's a you've already delegitimized. It's to like, yeah. Exactly. It's like, oh, it's you're just an extremist, and therefore that's the end of this conversation. Yeah. And I don't have to learn anything. I don't have to ask you questions like. Well, why are you attracted to this teaching? Yeah. What is it about that? Yeah. You know, what do you feel? It's about, yoga is about connection. And there's like conversation like, wow, you have a different, you know, you like doing this style of yoga. Okay, well, I do this style. Tell me why you like that. What, I'm curious. You know, tell me more. Give, ask me more. Curiosity um, is a good thing. Yeah. And there's a lot of <clears throat> lack of that, especially when, you know, things are battled out online or when it's, there's less information, you know, known. So, so I brought a couple of notes of oh, stuff. Yes, and like, so, you know, because it's a, it's an pertinent thing. And unfortunately it's not going to go away, but your listeners, which are very smart and well-informed oh, listeners yes, yes. Uh, and subscribers, um, you know, I, I, it's important to have this kind of background info. Um, so it always, it depends on the context, right? Like the word love depends on a context, mm-hmm. like, you know, so, um, So the definition of a cult, right? And this is like Merriam-Webster's dictionary kind of stuff. Uh, There's like the formal religious veneration Mm -hmm. or worship. uh, Or it could be a system of religious beliefs and ritual or a body of adherence or religion uh, regarded as unorthodox. Um, A system for the cure of disease based on dogma. A devotion, a great devotion to a person, idea, object, movement, or work such as a film or a book. Mm-hmm. Like Tommy like Wiseau's yeah. The Room is a cult movie. Yeah. Or Grey Gardens is a cult movie. Yeah. It's well loved by certain adherents, not by everybody. You know, they can quote the movie, and yet it's not a, it's a mainstream thing. Yeah. Um, and interesting that in that in that instance, it's not a pejorative term. It's actually just no. it's just a descriptive term. It's a descriptive yeah. term. But yeah. this is what equivocation of terms happen, and this yeah. is why. You know, critical thinking is essential, which has always been part of my uh, my classes and education and from my teachers, too, which, you know, Internet trolls aren't going to like when mm-hmm. you hear like, what do you a mean? A lot of those. Like, yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> but uh, Internet trolls are people, too. That's true. Um, OK, so there's like, yeah, fads, intellectual or literary fads, um, a small group of people characterized by devotion. Um you know, the the thing that people are most aff- are, are the worst version of it, though, is when it's used in the term of like inclusive group where you're not safe mm-hmm. from the outside. Mm-hmm. So you have to cut off your connection to your friends and family. Mm-hmm. You have to get more and more in here and anybody like Scientology, right? Like the way that David Miscavige runs Scientology and the fear and the literal imprisoning of executives in, yeah. in, you know, that is what people fear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, no, 
my friend, family, yeah. they lost their money spending all this money on, on courses. Uh, they've cut off their friends. They've cut off their family. Certainly, like, um, you know, people can research that. That's the kind of modern cult, you know, that, that should be and, and, uh, attacked and taken apart and deconstructed. But it's always like, well, what do you mean? It's like God, honestly. Like, what do you mean by the term? Mm-hmm. So that we can have a conversation, because otherwise, what if I assume you mean, you know, man in the sky with a beard? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I mean the, like, you know, energetic Divine consciousness vibration, vibration yeah. man. <laughs> it's different things. And so totally. it takes a little time to, like, pinpoint what, what people are getting into. Um, so let's see. And then, of course, it's confusing. Um, it's an ambiguous thing, like, like we were saying earlier. Um, the term is also used in a theological or sociological sense, too. So it takes different meanings, like in a theological sense, it's used when discussing like major religions differences. Mm-hmm. So like a group or a movement is theologically a cult if it identifies itself as belonging to a mainstream or like recognized religion and yet rejects or otherwise violates one of the more central teachings of that religion. Um, so let's like, for an example, um, like you can't call something tomato sauce if it doesn't have tomato sauce in it, right? Because tomatoes are an essential component of tomato sauce, right? But a sauce that's made with apples instead of tomatoes and is sold as tomato sauce, you could say is a cult of tomato sauce because it rejects one of the essential ingredients uh, and thus kind of misrepresents itself as something that it's not, Mm. which is also what people fear. Like, you know, I, th- I thought I was getting into this group and everyone was nice to me at first and they preach inclusiveness. And then I realized, you know, X, Y, Z. That definitely happens for people. Yeah. Um, then there's the sociological sense uh, when you're like discussing behavior or other sociological aspects uh, in a group or a group movement. Um, so, for example, like a restaurant that serves a perfectly acceptable, genuine tomato soup by pouring it onto your lap is a sociological, is a cult restaurant. Like, <laughs> that's, like that's, that's part of their like gimmick is that they throw the tomato soup in your soup in your lap. Yeah. Okay. So in that, you know, again, I like different kinds of metaphors. Yes. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> um, like, like Mormonism, for example, mm-hmm. like, um, so Christian theologians uh, consider the Mormon church to be theologically a cult of yes, Christianity, yes, yes. right? Um, because compared to like historic Bible-based Christianity, Mormon church rejects or adds to the essential doctrines, mm-hmm. right, of the Christian church uh, or the Christian faith to such an extent that Mormonism is regarded as having separated itself from the faith that it claims to represent mm-hmm. and instead has established a new religion that's not compatible with like historic Christianity. So, and there's magic underwear yeah. and there's, you know, different stuff. And so people see, you know, people, they're afraid of what they're not, they don't, not used to. Yeah. And so that's kind of the first like, Oh, well then it must be a weird cult. Yeah. You know, I'm afraid that you're different, mm-hmm. even though there's nothing wrong going on in the Mormon church in this case. Not that I, you know, but like, uh, it's used as a protection against having to learn about something new or mm-hmm. someone new, meeting someone different than yourself. Um, 
And of course, there's like other examples of that. There's also metal, something that is very metal, music that is really excellent, great metal is called cult metal. Hmm. And it's spelled with a K. But that's again, that's kind of like a That's a cult of a cult. That's a cult of a cult. <laughs> right. Spelling cult with a K is a cult. Spelling cult with a K is a form of right, like well the cult. you're not spelling it right. It's yeah. true cult, right? <laughs> C U V L T or whatever. Um so yeah, like the f- and the real hallmarks of a cult are like, well, what is it? What's its teaching? How does it affect on people? Like you're, someone say, oh, you're involved in a yoga cult, this and that. Well, like, well, what are the people in it like? Mm-hmm. What are they? What are they like? Are they brainwashed zombies who literally can't take any counter information? Like voters or cults, you know? I'm, I only want to hear about voter fraud if it is about my team. Bernie Sanders, yeah. Yeah, Bernie Sanders, right. In other words, like, and there is what, like, you know, alleged voter fraud in Brooklyn with, like, 125,000 missing votes. And yet, uh, what happened with the Colorado Republican primary where the people didn't get a chance to vote. Mm -hmm. They were like, we're going to give our delegates, it's an inter-party exclusive thing, Um, we're going to give these delegates to Ted Cruz because we don't want Donald Trump being the nominee. Yeah. That that kind of thing is like, wow, look at that. That was an inner party thing. Mm-hmm. It cut out the participants, right? The voters. But our Democrats worked up about that. Our Republicans worked up about people that identify as Republicans mm-hmm. or Democrats. Like, are you able to see the other side? Mm-hmm. Are you able to um, put your opponent's opinion? Can you, can you mouth and explain the opposite position. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're unable to do that, you're kind of polarized in an opinion. And so... Yeah. Well, and that's... I mean, yeah. what seems like part of that is that, you know, and I don't know if this is off topic at all, but but it is interesting because I think you're right. Like, the, the, conver- the political conversation in this country is always, like, based on a kind of, you know, the in-crowd versus the enemy. It's like, yes. you know, there's no kind of, like, serious consideration of, like where the other one is coming from generally. It's right. usually like, you've usually like completely written off the other party as like somehow corrupted or, you oh, know, yeah. and not, and, and their points of view are not based on anything, any legitimate concern. It's always based, it's always based on some kind of ignorance. From, have you been there before? Have, have you been that? Where, I mean, oh yeah, like, it's like, for sure. Oh yeah. Everybody who voted for George Bush twice uh, yeah. was insane. <laughs> and everybody who didn't was sane. Yeah. I happen to be on the same team. I've happened to evolve my, you know, political ideology since then. But did you ever have that where you were like, you can remember, like, I don't need to hear their explanations because there is no explanation. Because they're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Let, mm-hmm. Let's, which is the ad hominem, right? Which mm-hmm. is the, the fallacy against the man, against the person. Like, you attack the person and it's about the person, but it's not about, well, what are the claims they're making? Because what if... Mm-hmm. What if the statements or the, or the claims, if it's truth, it's not about the person's opinion. Like, yeah. it's a fact, which is where belief and fact, that's what we're getting back to cult stuff. Belief, you don't need any proof of anything. There's no facts. I believe that children are our future. <laughs> Teach them well and let them lead the way. No, I believe, you know, that, uh, that Mondays are, are bad days. <laughs> and Fridays and Saturdays are the best. Yeah. As if, like, Mondays couldn't be great, Fridays and Saturdays couldn't be terrible. 
But I think what's what's all sl- even slipperier is that most people don't recognize. Most people think that their beliefs are grounded in reason, and and really what yeah. they're grounded is in like our politics is you just to use that example is very ideological like the the it's people think it's based on reason and truth but really it's not because you're not going to sit down you're not going to sit down with like your average like liberal and conservative and have them be like oh yeah i see i see your point of view mm, yes i'm going to shift my perspective based on this new this like, You've very just, grounded reasonable course. argument which right. actually i think is like right, living right. having lived in the uk for four years i feel like there is a value placed on like actual like reasoned debate but in this country at least definitely doesn't happen doesn't happen and there's you're never going to get a hardcore does, conservative and a liberal in a room and get them to agree on anything because they're emotionally invested in right. their belief system around their politics right and they're defending more than you know they're defending the whole thing you know that's mm-hmm. that's the thing about identity politics that's the thing about wedge issues you know gods guns and gays let's mm-hmm. let's split people up so that they battle i mean mm-hmm. I don't know if you, what your dinner table was like growing up. We or, never talked about politics. All right. Yeah. We, we weren't allowed to, and that's why I'm doing this. Um, see what happens. You've got you to encourage passionate, even though it's different. I would have liked us to have talked more about politics. Um, but. But, but, yeah, and, and it is part of this. It's part of, look, no one wants to be wrong either. Mm. And I've been wrong. I mean, like, you know, I, I was like, there was not a bigger Obama voter, you know, spending my time, spending my money, yeah. going to Pennsylvania, going door to door, going to the inauguration, and then letting the things like facts slip through the cracks and go. Mm. I mean, I was in the the cult of Obama. Yeah. And and even now people are, well, you know, it's 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 you, you, you can see it and rather than make them enemies. It's like. I get it. I know what it's like when, you know, when you want something to really work out and be there and then you go, well, you know, is extension of George Bush era programs and the indefinite detention of, of citizens and war and, and false flags. Like people, I mean, we're, we're talking about truth. We're talking about like authenticity. And if a spiritual, the spiritual path is filled with darkness and light and moments of being like, Oh my God, I was so wrong. Mm-hmm. Even if it was like a pose, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I used to do chaturanga using my muscles. And then I learned because of injury too, how to work in a lower way, how to use bandhas, how to breathe into it. And it, it was like, you know, for 10 years I've been doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. So to now apply that to oneself, which is the hardest thing, you know, that to me, that's the value of a spiritual practice, but it's a lot easier to not do that. And then, put it out there and talk about other people, which in a way is part of a bypass. Like it's not about my dark side and my like humanity. Look at that group over there. Aren't they fallen from the top? Aren't they, you know, Yeah. which a lot in the yoga community, there's a lot of that because the ideology of yoga is so high. Like the, the language of enlightenment and perfection and the sincerity of striving for it. Um, by the way, spiritual bypassing. Yeah, let's, let's define that. What okay, is spiritual yeah. bypassing? So spiritual bypassing was a term uh, first coined by uh, John Wellwood in 1994. John Wellwood was a psychologist. Um, and it's, it's the use of spiritual practices and beliefs to avoid dealing with our, our painful feelings, unresolved wounds, mm-hmm. uh, and developmental needs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a... a He's written a lot about it. Robert August Masters has a great book about it. Um, 
And here's a little, I brought a little quote from this, which is, I really like this. So this is from Robert August Master's book. He says, true spirituality is not a high, not a rush, not an altered state. It's been fine to romance for a while, but our times call for something far more real, grounded and responsible, something radically alive and naturally integral, something that shakes us to our very core until we stop treating spiritual deepening as something to dabble in here or there. Right, authentic spirituality is not some little flicker or buzz or no, of knowingness, and it's not a psychedelic blast through or a mellow hanging out on some exalted plane of consciousness, not a bubble of immunity, but a vast fire of liberation, an exquisitely fitting crucible and sanctuary, providing both heat and light for what must be done. Mm. Mm. You know, it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so... I, by the way, I don't want this to like enter into the debate where now the word spiritual bypasser gets thrown around as like cult. Like, whoa, now I have a new word to, to use on my comment thread and, yeah, and claim. Yeah, yeah. You know? Which, of course, you could do. You, know, you could just say – you could write somebody off as a spiritual bypasser and then, and then, and then exactly what you're saying. Like you know, shut off the possibility of understanding like the subtleties of that individual. And what oh, here's doing. another one. Victim shamer. Yeah. You're, you're shaming the victim. Does that happen? Sure, it happens. Does that happen in every single use of it where there's different uh, opinions about an event? People want to take sides. And, you know, we'll talk about the, the Jeeva Mukti stuff and, and, like, Leslie Kamenoff's public saying, like, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe this person, uh, maybe we should look at their motivations. And just the, the unbelievable torrent of, like, wait a minute, just the fact that you're saying that maybe people uh, – have different motivations for, for coming out with lawsuits. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying one way or the other, but I've read these comments and his and seen how it's like mm-hmm. the word victim shaming is another pejorative. That's like, it's like racist at this point too, yeah. which is used to shut down rather than like open up dialogue. Okay. So, so since yeah. we're, since we're talking about this, sure. let's go back and because I feel like we're talking sort of, um, without a, a bit of backstory on, on what we're referring to. And, and so I, I want to make sure that the listeners are, are sort of clear on what's going on and what, what kind of the, the stakes are and, and the overall kind of architecture of what's happening. So do you want to share kind of this recent scandal that's happened with Jiva Mukti and, and talk about it a little bit? Should I describe mm. it and then you can respond? Or how Yeah, do you... I mean, like, people can certainly research and look at articles and what's been written. Mm. I mean, there's a lawsuit involving employees or one former employee and, you know, the nature of uh, teacher-student relationship and employee dating mm. and all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, I think you're probably... Yeah, no, I better mean... Better if you do it. Because I honestly, like, I'm, I'm tired yeah. I'm so tired of it. Like it's, it's yeah. Well, there's I mean, a level I of, to... of, of it's interesting and it's a juicy conversation, mm-hmm. but like internet fatigue yeah, and, no. and, and tabloid fodder is, is really just boring. It's, it is boring. Yeah. Especially when it's allegations. Like when we, we'll talk about this, there's a civil suit, right? Like now I'm talking about <laughs> like when a, when a judge or jury makes a decision, it's like, wow, look here, we have this claim and this result. But before that, it's literally just like taking sides and taking shots, yeah. and that I don't like doing. Yeah, it's like whose side are you on? Whose yeah. side are you on? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, what I guess I'm interested in. So 
yeah, so Matt, we don't. I, I don't think we have to get more kind of explicit about what happened than we are, because I, I think that people can research, and, and I'll put uh, links in the show notes to information if 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 the listeners are interested. But yes, there was a, a very well respected teacher, somebody who I profoundly respect and, and consider for a long time one of my teachers. Took her class weekly. Um, someone who was intimate with her came forward with a series of allegations. And so now Jiva Mukti once again is under the spotlight for um, uh, essentially a sex scandal, um, if we can call it a sex scandal, but a scandal of that nature of of a power, um, uh, an abusive power scandal, let's say that. Um, and this isn't the first for Jiva Mukti. And I'm, and I'm curious, I guess, first, what do you think makes Jiva Mukti? Um, do you think it just is random that Jiva Mukti happens to have had these two recent ones? Or do you think there's something maybe about um, the way that Jiva Mukti presents itself that opens itself up to this kind of um, situation? I, yeah, I've always thought that, you know, and why I love Jiva Mukti, and I've always enjoyed teaching there and, and working there is that it's it's the yoga wing of the yoga party mm-hmm. like like look i'm gonna be open about uh yoga as like as a means for enlightenment practiced towards that and being in the world and being an activist and talking out and speaking out which is really what attracted me to that too in the beginning and still does um and people don't like that right that's why you know in places that don't own. Well, an ohm is, you know, a religious thing. So there's that. And there's the, like, the veganism, which mm-hmm. since its inception has been, you know, the place has been a an attack for that because, you know, before it became, like, really smart and healthy and trendy in 2016, mm-hmm. um, what do you mean you don't, you know, use animal products? That's insane. You're an extremist, you know, yeah. you're, a, you're a cult. And that, it goes back to that stuff, too. But the guru devotion and the the other parts of yoga, which has always been part of the Jiva Mukti system, um, you know, people can can walk into guru yoga and not always come out so so clean. And that includes you know teachers who embrace that and ex- and and teach through that, and people who are looking for uh, saviors, people who are looking for a non-human in a human world, mm-hmm. which is complicated. And I, I get that. Um, but, um, do you think, uh, do you no. think that Jiva Mukti in any way is responsible for the presentation of its teachers sometimes in a kind of heightened pedestal way? Or do you think that is on the onus solely of the person seeing the teacher? The teacher presents themselves in the room the way they want to. Yeah. The teacher, like, as someone who was taught there for 11 years, yeah. um, there has never been, like, you know, a top-down meeting or some kind of, you get called into a room and you're like, look, you have to do this, do this. Do. Absolutely not. Um, I'm very aware of how people could and do project onto a teacher, you know, and... I've always, um, you know, dismissed it personally. Like, look, I'm a guy who's taking you through a sequence. We talk through some stuff. We'll sit, but but that's it. And and like, let's let's share in our humanity together versus the 
I'm up here and you're over there. Now, does that mean that all, I mean, Chief Mukti's been around for 30 years. How many people have taught there? Mm-hmm. How many people have been accused of that? How many tens of thousands of students go by there through a year yeah. and don't have, have everything, but they have a great time and yeah. they have a great personal experience? Like, that's what I see. Yeah. Does that mean that there aren't legitimate claims mm-hmm. from individuals who have relationships with other people that I wasn't around and don't, you know, didn't see from what I've read about, right? Well, yeah, could be, because it's the whole spectrum of, of people showing up and taking yoga on for, like, a personal path or deciding that Jiva Mukti means this. Like, but there's no top, you know, top-down cult. I mean, that's, that's I'm, I've studied so much about, like, brainwashing and cults and I've been around things where I've seen people get wrecked and never once it's like, you know, come on autonomy, critical thinking, like, I'm the guy there doing that. Yeah. I have never, I mean, I, I, I discovered my passion for yoga in Jiva Mukti, not Jiva Mukti, New York, but in London. I guess it's recently changed its name. But mm. anyway, the Jiva Mukti affiliate in London. And, oh, um, yeah, Sangye, right? Now it's, it's yeah, they Sangye, changed yeah. their name to that. And it was like the first place where I live, really loved it. And I never, ever got a, got a culty vibe. Well, what I was mean, it about it for you that was like... Um, the vigor, the vigor of the cl- of the asana, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was like it was the first time I was sweating my tits off, and uh, <laughs> and I really, I mean, I was also coming from a gym rat kind of place where I like needed the sweat, yeah. And so it gave it to me. And actually, I think the London studio is a little less dharma y than the New York studio, um, but even in New York, I didn't really, I, I don't know. There was there was there was a period where just because of where I grew up and how I grew up in a, in, in the, the religious milieu that I grew up in, you know, it made me very resistant to talk about God for a very long time. And at Jiva Muti, I heard a lot about God. And so there were times when I'd be kind of like in my head, la, 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 I don't want to hear that. Mm. But it never like, it never struck me as brainwashy or culty. Um, and, and I don't think that that's the experience of kind of the average practitioner that goes there. Right. But the people writing about it, who I don't think have ever been there, taken a class, talked to teachers who teach there, I don't know if they've ever had that experience. So it's very easy to see. Like, Were you referring to Matthew Remsky's article? I'm talking to about, yeah, Matthew and then the, the woman who wrote the Slate article about, well, is it an ashram? Is it a, is it a hospital? Is it a cafe? Is it a, what is it? Like, you're in New York, D.C., come and take class and see what it is. Like, are you a reporter? Are yeah. You, are you an investigator? Do you want to get to the center of something and and portray it realistically? Or, you know, like like the Slate article, for example, mentioning like an unnamed source who veganism tore my, my marriage apart. Jiva Mukti's <laughs> veganism tore my marriage apart. <laughs> really? Well, who really? Or maybe did you? That's your, an article? It was it was mentioned in the Slate article as far as like, and here's this, and the assists. Oh, they do these assists. I love the assists. Right, they're <laughs> they're great. They're the best assists. And like touch and me. They're great assists, but it can be used now, and, and it's sort of alluded to, um, and like, well, you know, their assists are you have to touch and grope everyone in class, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's just bullshit. I mean, it's like people. You want to spend a ten time with everybody. A verbal assist. People don't want assist. They come to you and say, of course. It's just like an ethos of like yeah. trying to be attentive to all students when exactly. there's like a lot of times there's like 50, 60 people in a class. Exactly. And I actually think that the Jiva Mukti teachers do a really good job at, 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 at least, you know, acknowledging 
once uh, at a student, even though the classes could be huge. Yeah, it's and that's, feel lost that's why it classes. excels and why it does. And so for people to throw that out is like, well, you know, it, uh, it, it's proof that they're, it's, it's illegitimate and malf, you know, malfeasance. And it's like, come on, dude. There's not a bigger skeptic on the planet than me. Mm-hmm. And I have the platform and I've, I've, and I certainly would have run to the hills if I had saw any bullshit. Yeah, I think you And would. it's not. And so it's like, so the inter, so, so it's fascinating to see this because, you know, I was one person who went, uh, and followed up on Holly because I'd heard about this story mm-hmm. and was like, what do you mean? So all of a sudden you know, people come and they go and they teach and you're like, Holly's the name of the person yeah, Holly who, who made the allegations. Right. And so I was like, well, what do you mean? Where is this? Where is she? She's gone. And she feels like the teaching staff didn't support her. So I tracked her down, called her up and talked. and was like, what is this? And then the story came out. And I was like, I had no idea. Wow. Um, and of course the, the management did have their own investigation where they called in, you know, what I perceived as like dozens of, of ex apprentices of, of Ruth Manetti's and they did investigate. Yeah. I mean, like so the, they, the they word on the street is that they did not. Well, you know, trust the guy who's taught there yeah. for 11 years, you know, six plus classes a week um, and spoken to people and been like, you know, what's going on? Have you ever heard anything? Because I wanted to get to the bottom of this. I spoke to Ruth, too, mm-hmm. you know, and from their side, which is they're the owners, they're doing their thing. If they feel that they want to support one side and, and put their lawyers and money behind one. That's their prerogative, sure. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that they, they checked it out. They, mm-hmm. they sussed it out. Now, you know, okay. I think maybe the problem was from a lot of external point of view is that, um, is that Sharon and David appeared not to acknowledge the profundity of it publicly and, 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 and say that very fact, like we're, that we take these allegations very seriously and we're, we're currently investigating. I feel like that would have appeared, um, less problematic than what, what a lot of people have seen, which is kind of like mm-hmm. a, this isn't happening. She's crazy, you know, moving on. Well, yeah. I mean, in the, in the court of public opinion, like not jumping on the PR, allowing other people to frame your side not getting out there in front of it. If they were involved in a teacher training in India at the time when the, when the story originally, you know, broke, like, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, I get that. Um, but, and, and we'll see what happens with the actual story. Like what's yeah. the sides can present their sides. Like that's the thing about discrimination. Like, mm-hmm. all right, let's see if, if, if it's legit sides, you know, there's going to be a, a ruling. Um, but as far as like dragging Sharon Gannon and David Life into this as if they're like, you know, they knew and they're it's a, you know, vegan lesbian sex conspiracy, which, by the way, I've, did I somebody w- say that or is that just no, your term? that's my term. <laughs> I've waited my whole life to get involved in a vegan, vegan lesbian sex conspiracy. And if it was there, I would be really thrilled. But unfortunately, there's no such thing, but it reads terribly. And they're not giving interviews, right? They're not talking. Holly's talking. So you don't hear. It's like, oh, they're not saying things. So yeah. it must mean. Which, it, which part of me feels like is kind of a mistake. They should probably be talking about it. Because it's, unfortunately, it's out there. It's public. And, you know, it's better for them to, to have their 
point of view, like publicly there, rather than have other people like. Well, I think I think both sides. Everybody, you know, if they want to, maybe because it's an ongoing uh, lawsuit, they can't. Oh, they yeah. won't. Okay. But it, it smears yoga, Jiva Mukti teachers, kind of across the world. Like, oh, it's this. It's the genetic fallacy, right? Well, there's a problem over here. Therefore, it's yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Which. So I want to talk about that then. Right. What is what has been the effect on the community? Like what what is like is like what are the feelings of like the teachers who are not involved immediately in it, but who are teaching at this institution that's now you know receiving a bunch of negative press? I mean, that must be really hard. I mean, the te- the, the studios are, are are filled with happy yoga students. Yeah, the teachers, you know, are like, well, I don't know what's going on. We'll have to see what happens. Um, there are teachers that take sides. There are teachers that are just like, let's, let's just teach yoga and I can influence my, you know, my classes and, and, and be clear like I've been doing and people do. Um, but you know, there's no, there's no inner schism. There's no inner, you know, civil war tumult mm-hmm. stuff. Like people are disappointed for both, for, for good reasons on both sides where it's like, fuck really? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I hope that stuff isn't um, true. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the thing is, as somebody who's taught, uh, had mentors and done stuff, like, of course, there's a line where you're like, look, I'm not going to I'm not going to invite myself to somebody's house or be invited. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, and this is just Matt Lombardo talking, right? This is not like mm-hmm. my opinions are only my own. Like, look, if someone's doing something and you don't like you say no, and that's it. And if you don't, and then years later, you're like, you know, maybe that was wrong. I'm all for therapy. I'm all for working it out and confronting people mm-hmm. that you feel like did something against you, of course. And yet that personal stuff to be played out in the public sphere is tricky, is messy, is complicated. And I, I, I feel sorry for both sides, honestly. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Being like Ruth and Holly, the sides. Yeah. Yeah. It's an unfortunate situation for sure. So, but also, like, let's just remember there are thousands and thousands of healthy, positive relationships mm-hmm. that people have from the yoga center, from, you know, totally. people that get married. I have nothing but pow- powerful yeah. relationships. I mean, you are a friend of mine who teaches there. I'm friends with Rima who teaches there. I have a lot of friends who practice there. It's like, you know, the idea of it being... For those who who don't who haven't yes who haven't experienced the studio or go to the studio, it's very easy to kind of like picture this really like a horrible corrupt place. Right, right. it's like New York. You yeah. think, oh, it's muggers and it's this this <laughs> and this, and you get here and it's like really good people who are like going to give yeah. you six different ways on how to get to your destination. But I mean, like yoga in general. Like, look, people meet all throughout relationships mm-hmm. in the yoga world. You know, there's this sense that like. Uh, well, it's a priest cult, mm-hmm. and a yoga teacher is a sacrosanct. You know, mm-hmm. no, they can play with that. It is devious if someone sells that to someone who's naive. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I get that, and I'm not saying that doesn't that couldn't happen to people. But can we just fucking grow up, people? Yeah, and you know what's interesting? What I, what I keep thinking about that I would love to hear your thoughts on is is why we think that this is kind of an exceptional. Um, because, okay, Jiva Mukti is an institution, you know, it's an institution of yoga, but it's an institution. And if we look across the board at institutions, these are instances, the instances like this happen everywhere, 
and any kind of institution that has a power structure, you know, not that's not a read because like power structures are inherent to anything that is like structured in some way. You know, there's going to be people who are who are higher ups, there are going to be people, people on the bottom, and things like this emerge. You know, a woman gets sexually harassed by her boss. Her boss is sacrosanct in a way, right? I mean, there's a certain like there's a certain pedestal. And, and, of course, that is also illegal to be sexually harassed. But we don't, like, it doesn't hit the presses generally these days when there's a sexual harassment suit right. at GE. Well, you'd have to ask why is that, too. I mean, the, there's coming off of uh, Bikram Chowdhury's lawsuit, yeah. losing lawsuit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it feels like from the side of one side of lawyers, it's like, let's get that on there. Uh, in the living in New York in 2016, it's fascinating that the front cover of a newspaper would have like uh, a sort of third-rate yoga sex scandal mm-hmm. on the front cover of you know the paper. It was where it's New like York Post, right? Uh, I think it was the Daily News. The Post, okay. the Post had it in too. I don't know if it was on the cover of it, but you know, so there's it's just a smut rag, anyway, isn't it? The Daily News. The Daily News, <laughs> man, they're all smut rags, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like you see, you see papers. You know, if it bleeds, it reads. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's like lesbian yoga sex scandal. What? You know, well, I have people to love that. a yoga scandal. People love a yeah. yoga scandal. Mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting too that this has a, um, you know, that in fact it's it's same sex. It's female yeah. female. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like because people are, well, this must be a man of fucking bad man who's gonna you know sexually harass young women, and it's like. That plays into these fears. This is not that. And this is like, look, asymmetry and power. Mm-hmm. The yoga community is a lot of women, a lot of teachers. So I think it plays into the novelty of that. Mm-hmm. But it just is like, there's a lot of interesting things that come up out of, of a situation like this. I'm not saying people shouldn't have robust conversations and, and passionate ones, mm-hmm. but Keep your critical thinking hat on. Yeah, Keep your I, filter on. Don't lose your shit. Yeah. I mean, like, it's... It, let's talk about this after there's a ruling, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, let's see, because if, if there's a judge that says, look, here's the reason why this person was wrong, this person was right, then we're like, look, the law held up this, and we're mm-hmm. proving this. Until then, it's literally, like, just team A against team B, and mm-hmm. entrenchment, and who's right, and, you know, let's get the the sacrosanct yoga teaching community out to, you know, yoga is, you know, you're this. Is there, is there, are there teachers who, or any employee, let's say, who could use their situation to, like, uh, manipulate someone else? Yeah. Does it mean it's happening here? No. So let's just kind of wait and see. But people are, are, they want to drum this shit up as if it was like, you know, a bigger deal than it is. Well, it feels like it's it, the agenda is. I can hear the hate mail coming in for something. Like yeah. That well, he's, I just feel he's like he's insensitive. He's a male. It's different for him. Yeah. It's different for him yeah. because, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've been harassed by a female teacher. No, I haven't. No, I mean, um, that's no, the, I don't mean to downplay it at all, and I, and I think it's a very legitimate concern. But I guess I just think that yeah, I think we're drawing attention to kind of. The subtleties that you that can come into the conversation that don't kind of collapse into this, I don't know, um, uh, very melodramatic consideration of the circumstances. 
Yeah, I mean, it's other people's business. I get that the, nobody wants to feel taken advantage of, and nobody wants to hear about anybody get taken advantage of, and that's, mm-hmm. that's a true thing. <clears throat> However, and this is where Leslie Kamenoff got beat up, and I completely support Leslie Kamenoff. He's like, look, you can't, this person, you, you have to say yes to a number of stages. Mm-hmm. As somebody who's taken on mentors, you have to like have mem- multiple meetings and you're constantly checking with other people before you sign up. Like, why did you want to work with me? It's going to be six months of like all this stuff. You know why. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, t- so to say that um, I didn't have any say in my experience with a Jiva Mukti mentor as if they just manipulated me into every aspect of it, including, mm-hmm. you know, spooning in bed. It's like, come on. Mm-hmm. Anybody, it's, un, it's politically incorrect, but I'm politically incorrect. I don't, I don't give a shit about that. I you, just think like, you exempt, can say yes exempting no, people you know? from, like, assuming that someone is completely without power in a situation I think is problematic. Like, exactly. Yeah, His yes, exact there's, quote. A real, there's a real existence of, like, institutional power being manipulative, but there's... There's also a level of, there's also a level of the integrity of someone's power that stays intact that they can act upon. Which isn't isn't that what yoga is like a personal in, integrity thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, his quote that I support is you know to assert otherwise. Where he's saying, look, I'm the one standing up for the fact that Holly's situation is the result of choices she made and continues to make. To assert otherwise is to strip her of any meaningful agency in the matter. Asserting victimhood may be the way to win an employment case in court, but it's not a powerful way to go through life. Mm-hmm. That's real. People don't like that. Okay. Another part of the bypass is that no yoga teachers are supposed to always have like the most, you know, Instagrammable, quotey, soft appeals to everyone. It's like, no, you're, you're, you're going to ruffle feathers being alive. If it's about, you know, personal integrity and it's a relationship between people, you have to look at both people. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, like, people, just grow the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. But please focus on your own lives, your own personal lives, and your own light and dark side. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yeah. So, and that includes the people who are writing these articles about this where, you know, of course they should. It's interesting stuff. But, you know, it's, it's spurious. Mm-hmm. Until it's proven otherwise, right? Legally. But, like, stay out of other people's business. That's really my, my interest, you know, unless mm-hmm. it becomes my interest. Yeah. Which is, like, anyway. So, yeah, we could go on and on about this. And I think, you're, I, think I, I hear a lot of what you're saying, and it totally resonates. Um, so, to sort of to kind of start to wrap things up, um, one of the th- topics we thought to talk about is the future of yoga. In the year 2000... <laughs> So I'm kind of I don't I don't know where this yoga. question's going to go, but what is the future of yoga according <clears throat> to Robots. Bardo? Robots doing awesome. No, it's like okay, or robot yoga teachers. Is the goal of yoga to get back to this like golden, you know, Vedantic, Vedic sort of uh, priestly class of? It's like wait a minute. No, I think the future, which there's a lot of room because there are a lot of teachers and a lot of people that want to practice, like. What are the areas where teachers and people can start to go, you know, there's, there's some good work to be done here. So like with senior citizens, you know, corporate yoga, um, retreats for basic students. Like there's still this, we're going to go away to the, the, the Costa Rica and do surf yoga. 
and that's a very, very, that's great. You know, of course I'd like to do that too, but it's a very small wedge. And if it's about, you know, people with osteoporosis, healing, uh, you know, old injuries, that that stuff is actually where the future of it is. It's not about turning people into, you know, unless they want to turn, do like, you know, rigorous ashtanga. That's very, that's great, but that's not for everybody. So I'm interested in the ways that yoga comes uh, away from the choir and doesn't preach the choir and is accessible to, you know, modern life, like in students, like in schools, you know, mm-hmm. Holly Farrow's teaching in schools as other friends of mine are. I think that's great. You know, like kids in high school, could you fucking imagine if you were in high school? I mean, I hated high school. Like I went home and slept every day and was depressed. But if I had like asana to move and sweat and feel good, I mean, that's, to me, that's an exciting future. Yeah. So what are the areas, like where do you want to see the, all this stuff go? Is it, is it more about like, you know, Instagramming in your bikini and, and not your bikini because I don't wear bikini. You don't wear a bikini in your Instagram. Yeah. But I mean, like I'm open to it. Selling it as a as a personal brand or look, this is something that you could do, which you could feel great. And we want people to feel good about themselves. What are those areas of life? So I'm I'm interested in building that stuff and seeing that stuff and talking about it. And it has nothing to do with, you know, religious yoga or calling it meditation or anything like that because i think that people can get the benefits of it without the the religiosity or the the specific language you know like sanskrit even even though i like sanskrit Hmm, yeah so i mean i guess you know as a like as a person who's who's you know working on a project where i am you know trying to preserve the integrity of a lot of these traditions. Mm-hmm. I, what I hear you saying a little bit and correct me if I'm wrong is that you, I mean, you do, you do, you feel fairly comfortable taking the asana away from the tradition in a sense by not necessarily introducing the philosophy. I mean, you're calling it religious, but I'm sort of hearing, well, it could, yeah, it's philosophy and it's, it's lifestyle philosophy. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's cool. Of course. And if you're into that, but to say like, no, it's this, cuts off other people. Like when Mm -hmm. I started yoga, I wanted a good workout. I wanted to feel better. I wasn't ready to hear other stuff. And you know what? Teacher didn't force it. So to say that it's really this, it's like when people say, you know, rock and roll is only about guitars. And if your record has synthesizers on it, it's not real rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Yoga is really about this. It's about unity with God. And if you're not into that, then somehow you're just doing gym yoga. It's like, again, we're back to like team A and team B. I respect the lineage of of yogic history and people keeping that fresh in this in but that's a portion of it. It's like one thing on the menu, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I think the stuff is good enough and big enough that it can be far more inclusive, you yeah. know? I think it can, but I think I think that if we're going to do that, I think it needs to be called asana. Like I feel yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel comfortable anesthetizing yoga of its tradition by 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 teaching just the physical postures calling that yoga without you know and i understand like the philosophy can be a lot and like to 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 and i discovered yoga through asana and then i got interested in the philosophy and i'm i'm certainly very happy for it to happen in that way i don't think we have to force anything on people but there's a part of me that wants to keep yoga weird and wants to well weird though includes like you know 
weird figures and statues and like yeah. now we're back to cult stuff. Like I want to see a picture of a Well, I'm happy half- with the culty stuff. Like I mean, I'm happy to reappropriate <laughs> that word and like yeah, yeah, yeah. and say that I'm very no, happy with the culty yoga, aspect of yoga. I like weird, definitely. Because I think actually, you know, and that's another conversation about like, you know, the larger truths about um, about investing in like a spiritual path like that, which always from an outside perspective could be called a cult, you know, yes. if you're investing in a kind of spiritual tradition. Um, yeah, but I hear what you say. I do. I do think that like finding ways to integrate asana into a variety of contexts is like the way to go for sure. I think that's definitely the, of a great start. Because it plants the seed, right? It yeah, it's asana. Seed. It's 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 this movement thing and it's breathing and, and it's about being in the body. You know, it's about like you and your body that yoga is another umbrella term, which is like a school of philosophy and the, you know, it's a, it can be used a lot of ways. Just call it what it is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which, which is a good start. You know, it needs to be, uh, it's going to continue. It's going to thrive and continue to make billions of dollars for people too. Yeah. Like let's not forget that like money is there. Mm-hmm. So gyms are going to brand it. People are going to teach it. It's a really great thing. Can you get hurt in it? Yeah. Can you get hurt playing tennis? Yeah. Can you get hurt playing guitar? Yeah. Can you make great music playing guitar? Yeah. So all of this, like, well, you yoga, you know, guitar? the yoga uh, patriarchy. Well, I don't know patriarchy. I meant to say um, the yoga patriarchy. I've revealed myself. <laughs> the um, No, like the... Um, sort of moral arbiters of like, well, it should really be this because it's been this for a thousand years. Yeah. But there's plenty of misogyny and weird bullshit and like yoga world. Does that mean that we have to do it? Because yeah, I don't think it's more, I, for me, it's not so much. And I, there are people like that, the Puritans of yoga, I call them, or like the, the, like conservative, like the fundamentalist right. yogis. The Gita like, thumpers. This is what the, yo- <laughs> this is what yoga is. And it has to be this. Right. And like, we're cultural appropriating. If, you know, there's a lot of people like that. I've encountered some of these, um, cultural appropriation, which is a legitimate, you know, discussion, but there are some cultural appropriation trolls on the internet who, uh, yeah. And it's, there's a lot of like a Ashtanga based, you know, like, Oh, it's, but it's gotta be pure and this, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Um, it, uh, churches that are, that are highly fundamentalist are allowed to exist too. I'm yeah. all for freedom. I'm all for freedom of speech and practice and all that, but mm-hmm. please don't come out and say you speak for the whole. Or that you're the you're the voice of sanity yeah. because people are people mm-hmm. and people do human things. You know mm-hmm. that's what I'm. That's another part of the future of it. Like let's just r- relate to it as like do people have this with jazzercise? Like are <laughs> there like you know you played this music a little too fast and I twisted my leg and so now jazz and against jazz. Mm-hmm. You know I'm I'm, I'm yeah. I mean like yeah. Yeah, the injury thing, like yoga shouldn't have injuries. Right. No shit you're going to get hurt if you don't know what you're doing. Using your body. Or if you listen to someone else versus yourself. Like, that's fucking news. That has to be like New York Times article. Let's get to the bottom of the (laughs) yoga, doing something physical, you could get hurt. (laughs) You mean mean listening to someone else other than yourself could be a pretty fucking bad thing. I didn't, I didn't know that. Thank you. Please give me a 5,000 word essay on something that I thought was pretty self-evident. Yeah. But then again, like you can't underestimate, you know, the public, but that's okay. I deal with people. I don't deal with the public. I deal with individuals. Um, and I agree. I think yoga should stay weird. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to see it turn into, I just, I feel like, you know, sometimes, and this is something that I only encounter in my own teaching and then we should, we should, we should wrap it right. up. But, but I, I find that, you know, I, 
uh, I don't, uh, there's a there's a there's a desire to like not share the philosophy sometimes I think on the part of some people because they don't want to make their students uncomfortable. Right. And I'm like, but yoga should make you feel uncomfortable. I feel right. like to a certain extent, yes, yeah, like you're you know it's a practice of well being, blah blah blah. But it's also a practice of like taking you outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And part of that is like introducing like weird ideas. It's a form of like look. It's disruptive but supportive at the same time. Yeah, you're going to stand on your hands. And at first, it's not new. It's different. It's weird. You don't like it. I get that. And then it can become, right? You're supposed to push buttons. And for and that's what happens with, like, you know, what I'll call, like, a certain level of political correctness and, and mm-hmm. soft peddling and, and professional niceness. And I don't want to offend anybody. I just want to. Yeah, it's annoying. It's all, uh, it's all you know, just it's, can't we just be and can't he? I mean, like. Yoga is about having a spine. Yeah. Discover your spine. And guess what? If you have a platform, you're going to say something like, you know, somebody didn't like something I said about like troops once and got on Yelp and, oh, he's, 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 you know. Yeah, well, troops take orders. They don't make the orders. Yeah. They listen to generals. And so if you're against war, like that cuts through a lot of programming. Mm-hmm. And a good practice and a good teacher will also cut through or speak through your programming. And it often rattles people. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't know if I like Jacob said this thing. But then I went and thought about it and came back. And that's called growth and maturity. Yeah. And, you know. And that's what it's about. And that's what it's about <laughs> a maturity. little bit. I mean, of course it is. But, like, it's about fun. And it's about yeah. lightness and connection. And yeah. I'm so glad that, you know, thank you for having me up here to, been to, awesome. to chat. And, you know. It's been good. So um, before we close, why don't you share some stuff going on with you? If you want to share like what you're, what's happening, where people can find you. Do you have a website or any of that jazz? Do I have a web zone? I don't think you have a web zone. <laughs> My MySpace is called. No, I am uh, leaving tomorrow for Prague and nice. Munich and Bratislava and doing a little uh, Slovakian, uh, Eastern European spring asana That's awesome. classes tour. So if anybody's in stuff. Eastern Europe, so those of you that are in Eastern Europe, uh, in the next two weeks, come check me out or come check out some classes. And, um, let's see, I mean, you can always find this Instagram, but I don't, I don't like do a lot of yoga. I don't do any yoga stuff on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I guess unless you just want to see pictures of the weird shit that I like and see, um, but yeah, I teach throughout the city. I teach Chivamukti Yoga. I teach at Pure East mm-hmm. and West. I teach, um, I teach all over. So you know, so look them up. Say hello. Yeah, send your hate mail and your positive mail to Jacob. So at, I don't give a crap. I don't give at, a flying <laughs> broccoli at you know embodiedphilosophy embodiedphilosophy dot dot com. <laughs> and um, no, man, thank you. And, and yeah, thank you, Matt. It's been a pleasure. All right, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Matt Lombardo. If you'd like to connect with Matt, you can connect with him via Facebook at Matthew Thomas Lombardo. You can connect with him on Instagram at Mr. Lombardo and on Twitter at YogaMatt76. Until next time, friends. Bye-bye.